0: Welcome back to Resistance Chicks. We're your hosts, Leah and Michelle. Happy Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Day. It is, you know, well, for our Brighton viewers that are watching this on Sunday, it's not Valentine's Happy Day. Happy not Valentine's Day week. And, Happy yeah. Valentine's week. Oh, you know what? It's always a good time to love. I'm wearing a shirt that says love. Yes. Jesus, God is love. All right, so let's get serious or, well, we never really get that serious. There is a revival that has broken out in Asbury, at Asbury University in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And everybody's been sending it to me. Our friend, Pastor Neil Peterson, went down there and he was like, oh my gosh, the fire of God is here. Now, God's been speaking to Pastor Neil for, for years, but specifically uh, the past couple of months. That revival was going to break out. He's been telling everybody at his church, guys, get ready. We're going to be opening our doors 24-7 for revival. So he comes back from revival, not intending to do this, but he was like, he kind of has a conversation with his wife and his in-laws were there and he's like, we got to do this. We have to open our doors. So today... This afternoon, Pastor Neil Peterson at Harvest Revival Center in Dayton, Ohio, opened his doors for 24-7 prayer. Who knows how long this is going to go for. You can find it on Harvest Revival Center's YouTube channel and their Facebook page. We've been sharing it on all of our platforms that we can find. I've had it playing in my living room. Um, But here's what's interesting about Pastor Neil doing this. And this is going to tie into our show today, Revival and the Founding Fathers. Pastor Neil ran for governor here in Ohio last year, and our founding fathers knew something. They knew that without the power of God, you will never be able to take on tyrants. You will never be able to found a nation, and you will never be able to carry a nation. And so tonight, we are going to break down and show you... What led up to the foundation of this nation? I, t- I put a subtitle on here. At the bedrock of this nation is revival. The first great awakening is what gave us America. Yes, our founding fathers gave us America. Yes, God gave us America. But that first great awakening is the number one influencing marker for why America came into existence. Let me explain a little bit about the first great awakening and, and the pieces that were together. So God calls a band of pilgrims and you guys know, we love the pilgrims to come in here, to come to America and you know, their story, you know, that they were persecuted in England. They were put in jail. Um, they moved to holland where they had some religious freedom but their their sons and daughters were starting to live more of a worldly life they were in prayer this this small group of of christians who were meeting together and they had times of prayer and prophesying Mm -hmm. where they were hear from the word of god and then they would each take turns uh praying about the sermon that they had just heard And how do we apply that to our lives? This was a very individualized church. William Bradford um, left the Anglican church a little bit more uh, rigid, not exactly uh, sermons popping up with exemplatory (laughs) prayers. Yeah, You know, the first church. Where everyone's supposed to have a song or a hymn, a spiritual song, uh, have a, word a word of word. wisdom, prophesying. Not exactly the same scripture, but yeah, the song together. All together, that's what they were supposed to have. Yeah, exactly. And that's what our churches are supposed to have. The yeah. way the churches are run today is not exactly the design that's laid out in the New Testament. Yeah, exactly. So you're supposed to come together. And it's not even like you're supposed to. I I hate the word, when it comes to church. Gotta do it, Leah. I I hate the you're supposed to. What happens is you're supposed to meet together Hmm. with other believers. And then you're supposed to honor God. You're supposed to praise him and worship him and pray together. And then you're supposed to have evangelists, prophets, teachers, uh, who equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Let me tell you how revival works. Okay. You get together, the spirit of God falls and everybody is so excited that, and the power of God comes on them and they get a song and they get a word. And that's just how this, when the spirit of God is really in a place, You will know it because of that. So in examples would be Paul went to a a believer's house and his four daughters just started started prophesying. prophesying. You could not do that in the Anglican church. You couldn't do that in the Catholic church. Okay. So you couldn't be a true Christian um, just really displaying the gifts that God had given you in the churches at at that time. And, you know, I, I would say during the time of Martin Luther... They, they they were actually forced out a lot of, uh, believers who were coming to this personal relationship, with Jesus revival is about c- people coming to a personal mm. relationship with Jesus, having an emotional and spiritual and almost physical connection where you are sensing, feeling, and experiencing God. It's very interesting during the, during the first great awakening, I, there, there were many manifestations of the Holy Spirit to where the traditional, uh, you could imagine the school principal when, you know, footloose in footloose where all the kids are dancing everywhere. <laughs> oh my gosh, there's horrible dancers, right? Yeah. Okay, get them back in the box. Well, at the time during, well, pretty much about 1700 on even before that, there was this idea that a minister must interpret the Word of God for you, okay? And the hierarchy system that has that really marked in England particularly, but Europe and generally, where you've got lords and ladies, mm-hmm. and you know your place. Yeah, okay? If you're at the bottom of the barrel, you don't get to talk to somebody at the top. you know if you're if you're not of the gentry, if you're a servant in the household, you're you're silent. You don't go up to the head of your household and start having a conversation, how was your day today, right? Okay? So that spilled over to the American colonies, but with people who are so independent, mm. making their way in the world, chopping down trees, fighting off wild animals, like literally by the by the grit that they have in their fingernails, they're Etching out a new life. Yes. These people were very independent. I'm feeling it. But they still had a hierarchy. So if you went to church, mm-hmm. you paid for your pew. Paid for the pew. And so... so- this was paid for, for you. You, for play, you and I might view. think that this would not be correct, but the wealthy sat at the front, even though the Bible says don't bring <laughs> the wealthy to the front. Well, Specific scripture says how don't How do long that. have they been reading the Bible at the time? I mean, you know, 1599, usually in Geneva, there. So it wasn't a long time before you know it, people did. This is the way it was done. The wealthier at the front. You go. You get your scriptures interpreted to you by the minister. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well. There were several ministers that had their own personal conversions with God and these relationships, and there was a um a battle within the colonies, okay where you had some people would say, "Oh my gosh, look at the Salem witch trials yeah, they were practicing witchcraft well by some accounts, some of the women and and or the girls or different things like that they were um manifesting spiritual gifts like speaking in tongues, okay. Oh, witchcraft! Exactly. Holy water. There, there were different uh, men and women during the, you know, the the late, the the mid to late 1600s, and they were getting filled with the Holy Spirit. So, a, a certain group that would that were getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Have you ever heard of the Quakers? And I'm not talking about the oatmeal guy, but yeah, the Quaker oat guy. He doesn't look like much, does he? Well, actually, the reason they called them Quakers because they were filled holy Ghost. they were and shaking it was and, coming out. and it was coming out the quakers had a different view on how i'm feeling spirit i'm feeling spirit well, I, they would sometimes go that way but often quakers would get together and they would have no sermon mm. they would have no pastor no minister but they believed that they would they were to call to by god to sit and wait upon the lord like until the, the holy spirit descends descended upon anybody and the Quakers were one of the first, I would call great equalizers of in ministry. It didn't matter if you were a child, didn't matter if you were a slave, didn't matter if you were a woman. God would and could speak to all of you. Come on. And page. I'm gonna get to the Great Awakening. But I actually really feel impressed to explain to you William Penn. Now William Penn, the founder, you guys know him as the founder of Pennsylvania. Maybe you don't know much else. Maybe you know he had good relationships with the Indians. But do you know this man had a personal and deep, deep relationship with Jesus Christ? And that is something that marked the first great awakening. So it mm-hmm. wasn't just going to church, listening to a sermon, and going home. The, the first great awakening was marked by people who actually kind of went after the hierarchy, the elites, the system. Yeah. Okay. Now, in the in the in the sixties and seventies, young people went after the system, mm-hmm. but that was a rebellion of their hearts against a good system. Yeah. If you were against a system that that was controlling you, you went to the darkness. You didn't go towards Jesus Christ. You know, even with the civil rights movement, you had to go towards the light, towards Jesus Christ. So I'm gonna tell you guys a little bit about my buddy William Penn. Awesome guy. He was born in sixteen forty four, the founder of Pennsylvania. He was son he was the son of a famous British Navy Admiral, his name was also William Penn, who discovered Bermuda and helped strengthen King Charles II's throne to England. Now, before King Charles came to the throne, William and Mary had come to the throne in England, and and there were some more civil rights, more religious rights. But King Charles came in, and he put the kibosh a little bit on religious freedom. So uh, William studied at Oxford University and later studied law. At the age of 22, William Penn was touched through a sermon delivered by Thomas Lowe entitled, The Sandy Foundation Shaken. To the heartbreak of his father, He gave up his brilliant future to convert to the Christian truths of the Society of Friends, otherwise known as the Quakers, uh, who at the time were greatly scorned and ridiculed. In his treatise on the Religion of the Quakers, William Penn proclaimed, I do declare to the whole world that we believe the scriptures to contain a declaration of the mind and will of God in and to those ages in which they were written, being given forth by the Holy Ghost, moving in the hearts of holy men of God, that they ought also to be read, believed, and fulfilled in our Mm. day." Come on. Being used for reproof or instruction that the man of God may be perfect. They are a declaration and testimony of heavenly things themselves. And as such, we carry a high respect for them. We accept them as the words of God himself. So young Penn became a Quaker preacher and a writer. He suffered imprisonment three times for his faith. Once he was imprisoned in the Tower of London for eight months, during which time he wrote a book, a, a writing, and I, I encourage all of you to read it, called No Cross, No Crown. Mm. When we're talking about revival, we're talking about the Great Awakening. You have to understand something. It wasn't about a feeling. It was about a transformative change of the power of God within uh, thousands of people. So when the Great Awakening began to spread across America in the 1730s and 40s, thousands of people would come to church. And it's very interesting. Churches held at the max 750 people, mm-hmm. and they, they never got that many. The only time you would see that many people there was if there was a public execution. <laughs> kind of grim. Yeah. Okay. But when the fire of revival broke out and mm-hmm. people began to repent of their sins, thousands of people would show up in the outside, in the outdoors, in the outside, in the outside doors. Yes. Out so, in the outdoors. Yeah. No cross, no crown, no pain, no palm, no thorns, Whoa. no throw, no gall, no glory, no cross, no crown. Christ Christ. Christ's cross is Christ's way to Christ's crown. Mm. This is the subject of the following discourse. First written during my confinement in the Tower of London in the year of 1668. Now repented with great enlargement of matter and testimonies that you may be one to Christ or if already one brought nearer to him. It is a path which God in his everlasting kindness guided my feet into in the flower of my youth when about two and 20 years of age. He took me by the hand and led me out of the pleasures, the vanities, and the hopes of the world. I have tasted of Christ's judgments and of his mercies and of the world's frowns and reproaches. I rejoice in my experience and I dedicate it to thy service in Christ. The unmortified Christian and the heathen are of the same religion. Whoa. Michelle, what is the unmortified Christian? Somebody that hasn't crucified their flesh. How do you crucify your flesh? You don't eat that cheeseburger when you want to. That is not crucifying your flesh. (laughs) Okay, you don't yell at your sister when you want to. You don't drink. You don't yell. You don't rile. You don't, you know, homosexuality, sin, where your flesh is telling you to go do something. Like the world is right now. Mm. Love is love. No, lust is lust, honey. And you don't follow it. Just because you feel it doesn't mean you do it. You mortify your flesh and you become aligned with the will of God. Okay, just because you feel it doesn't mean you do it because your flesh is going to lead you to hell. Wow. Okay. Hell alert. Now I want to point something out. While what you it, it could have been glossed over very easily, he said that when he was imprisoned for his faith. Yes. We find that some of the most anointed writings have come from people Absolutely. being imprisoned in their faith. The, the most notable one is Pilgrim's Progress, mm-hmm. right? John by Bunyan. John Bunyan. The we, same period, time period, by the time way. Time and time again. Here's the thing, guys. When you want a revival, you're gonna be going through hard times. When you want the spirit of God to fall, be ready. Because You're gonna need to need come, him. Come on, and that is where we are at. We are, listen, Pastor Neil Peterson is striving for revival in Ohio, and I'll tell you, he may not know this yet, and I'm going to probably text him later and let him know. I know Patriot Galler left it in the comment section. Why is he striving for revival in Ohio? We have just had one of the greatest disasters happen in the history of America right here in Ohio. We have to pray to these clouds of acid. We can't just stare at them and say, oh, oh woe, woe is, is me. me. Oh, I'm undone. Right? We, listen we are at the place where we need we have to make this ground hallowed ground god come make on. sure our waters aren't aren't poisoned yes. protect our children Things, yes yes come on and the deity they truly worship is the god of this world mm. what shall we eat what shall we drink what shall we wear and how shall we pass away our time which way may we gather and perpetuate our names and families in the earth It is a mournful reflection, but a truth which will not be denied that these worldly lusts fill up a great part of the study, care and conversation of Christendom. The false notion that they may be children of God while in a state of disobedience to his holy commandments and the disciples of Jesus, though they revolt from his cross. If you are looking at the cross, he says, if you would follow me deny yourself pick Pick up up your your cross, cross. and follow me if you look at that cross that he has for you and you say i don't want to carry it you are not a christian just because you said a prayer and oh i believe that jesus is lord Mm. do you don't believe he's lord unless you have picked up his cross that he has for you to carry because if you don't have a cross then you don't have a crown wow because Jesus promised crowns for those who would pick up their cross, deny themselves, mm. and follow him. Yeah. He told the rich young ruler who came and said, I have kept all the commandments. What must I do to enter the kingdom of God? He said to him, go sell all you have, give to the poor, and follow me. And that rich young ruler was so sad because he couldn't let go. I'm not saying that wealth is, is, is what is evil, or but what... It had a hold on him. If you have money and it has a hold on you, if God were to come and say, sell all that you have, and you'd say, no, God, you're not a Christian. Mm-hmm. All must be for him or nothing. This is all or nothing. I would rather you be hot come on. or cold, be a total sinner. But if you're lukewarm, he says, I will spew you out of my mouth. That is revival. That is the message of revival to tremble and say, am I saved? Have I truly given my life to Jesus? Yes. Okay. Have I denied myself? Do I pick up my cross? Do I follow him? Okay. Which, you, um, notwithstanding their lives are full of, um, the false notion that they may be children of God while in a state of disobedience to his holy commandments and disciples of Jesus, though they revolt from his cross and the members of his true church, Which is without spot or wrinkle, notwithstanding their lives are full of spots and wrinkles, is of all other deceptions upon themselves the most pernicious of their internal condition, Mm. for they are at peace in sin and under the security of their transgression... Read my no cross, no crown. There is instruction. Make your conversation the most eminent for wisdom and piety. And then the word piety there, there was, a, there was a, a movement called pietism. And it started really in Germany. And it's very interesting. It doesn't mean what you think, oh, pious. Yeah. Oh, these all holier than thou. It, there was a movement that emphasized a personal relationship with Jesus. And I know that you might be familiar with that phrase, but they were not what is a personal relationship with Jesus? Yeah. To know him, to talk to him, to talk to God and hear him talk back to you. To open up his, remember, the Bible had just been in English at this time for less than 50 years. right? And not every, not every family had a Bible. So you're without a Bible and you might get a little tracks. You might have just a few passes of scripture, okay? knowing him, knowing him and talking to him and allowing the Holy Spirit reveal himself to you was, was a lot of what was going on in Christianity. Cause many people couldn't even read. Yeah. And that is why in America, one of the first laws was to make sure that if there were 50 families in a territory and in an area that they would have a school. Now this isn't a public school. This is just so every child has the ability to read and that's it. Okay, so that they can read. Yeah. Why, and what was it called? The old diluter Satan act. Because if you couldn't read the word of God, then somebody could use the Bible to control and manipulate you. Yeah. Okay. Um, Shun all wicked men as you hope for the blessing of God and the comfort of your father's living and dying prayers. Be sure you speak evil of none not of the meanest, much less of your superiors as magistrates, guardians, teachers, and elders in Christ. William Penn, he traveled and he preached with a a, a wonderful preacher named George uh, Fox, the founder of Quakerism and throughout Holland and Germany. And there were a lot of persecuted uh, Quakers there. And this leads to people coming to America. And I want to talk to you guys about um, something very interesting. So before there was Pennsylvania, there was... New Jersey. Now, in New Jersey, I'm going to go back here. The New Jersey concessions from 1674 to, 1670, to 1680, William Penn was asked to serve as an arbiter in a land conflict regarding West New Jersey and the New World. The dispute was between two English Quakers, Ed Billing and John Fenwick. Penn's legal training and experience managing land in Ireland had prepared him to successfully resolve this matter. In 1675, Fenwick decided to take a group of Quakers to the New World to settle that piece of land now known as New Jersey. William Penn said in a letter to his friends, This great God has written his law in our hearts by which we are taught and commanded to love and help and do good to one another and to not do harm or mischief to another. William Penn was the main author of the founding governmental document. This is what I kind of want to, as we're weaving our ways through the Great Awakening. Government. Government. Christian government. Christian government. Christian government. Christian Listen, government. we have been in a, a, a I don't know, the depths of despair since 2020, right? So many people are like, what do we do? They're, they keep winning. There's nothing we can do. I am telling you guys something. Revival is the way that we take our nation back. It is the only way it's the way that it came in and it's the only way that it will be retained. And so when you feel depressed or downtrodden or, or just uncertain about what's ahead, this, I know Christ and him crucified. And when we preach that nations change, tyranny is crumbled and, and literally these rulers and principalities have to be cast out. We need laws based upon Christian principles for too long. The church has been over here. Yes. And the government's been over here. Come on. But that's not how America was founded. That's right. And we're not going to get America back on track if we keep separating church and state. That's right. Okay. So in this particular legal document, one of these founding documents in America, you could call it. Uh, was called the Concessions. This document was not only a governmental in nature, but also concerned with social, philosophical, scientific, and political matters. By 1680, the Concessions had 150 signers, and in the Quaker spirit, this group effort provided far-reaching liberties never before seen in the Anglo-Saxon law. What brought about this, the Concessions in New Jersey, which is a governmental law, okay, signed into the text included these words we have made concessions by ourselves being such as friends here and there will approve of there we lay a foundation for after ages to understand their liberty as men and christians Mm. that they may not be brought into bondage but by their own consent for we put the power in the people come on we put the power in the people. We're talking about government power in the people because Christ did the same thing. And when you have it in the church, when you recognize this is how church is supposed to be, then you recognize this is how government is supposed to be. The power in the people. This was unheard of. We, they had, there was still a monarchy when they wrote this. They wrote it by the spirit of God. Mm. They could see it by the spirit of God. Okay? The power in the people. That is to say, they to meet and choose one honest man for for each propriety, who ha- honest man. When you knew, when you you have a group of friends, right? Mm-hmm. Do you know who's the most honest one in your group of friends? I hope all my friends are equally honest, but yeah, I know what you mean. Okay, in your neighborhood, there you go. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, you now know we expanded who's most. It. You know who the most honest person is. The problem is with these big giant elections, you don't know who's honest or not because you don't know him. And they want to keep it that way. If you don't know your congressman, the government's too big. That's why we're supposed to be state run so that you can know who your state representative is. Okay. It's supposed to be small government so that you, you should, you shouldn't, you should not vote for somebody unless you personally like know them. That's really good. So I want to break something down. We know about the European union and everybody keeps saying, oh, we're going to, have some sort of, you know, American union with, you know, South America and Canada and the United States. Here's the problem with that. The European Union kind of, in essence, got it from us. We decided as little states, which are little countries. Ohio is the size of England, by the way. To come together and form a protective union. Just for protection. But not to take over the rights of these states. Each state is its own little country. Right. Okay, subscribe to the concessions. All these men to meet as an assembly there to make and repeal laws- Come on. To choose a governor or commissioner and 12 assistants to execute the laws during their pleasure so every man is capable to choose or be chosen. No man to be arrested and condemned in prison or molested in his estate or liberty, but by 12 men of the neighborhood. No man to lie in prison for debt, and that his estate satisfy as far as it will go and be set at liberty to work. No person to be called into question or molested for his conscience or for worshiping according to his conscience. The New Jersey concessions demonstrate another group of Christians operating their government in the new world on the same biblical principles as previous colonial groups had formed a political system based on liberty and the consent of the government. The These ideas were radical, radical notions in Penn's day. In many parts of the world, generally in the non-Christianized nations, they are still radical notions. To make doubly certain the message was clear, the concessions re-emphasized the proposition that no man nor number of men upon earth have power or authority to rule over men's conscience in, in religious matters. The Quakers living under the concessions also encouraged local Indians to bring their problems to the commissions. This is very cool. This is very cool. They, so that they would have a fair trial mm. and there would be six Native Americans and six uh, settlers. Catherine Owens, Pierre Penn's biographer, reflected upon the success of the colony and its government based upon biblical principles. The social experiment in a rankless community where the right of self-determination of every individual was sacred, where God was the final source of authority, succeeded and prospered, and it did so on a simple formula, love, industry, and integrity, meaning they worked really, really hard. William Penn gave up On England after one of his friends who he had tried to help get into Parliament, Algernon Sidney and we covered him in our show. He was a great uh, theologian and a Christian but he wrote he argued that a a king held no divine right to rule and the power of government must never be in the hands of just one person. He was put to death. Mm. He was William Penn's friend. And so he realized I gotta go to, to America. Well, he wasn't on great terms with Charles, who killed his friend, but Charles owed his dad a big debt. So to kind of get rid of William Penn, he gives him the tract of, of, of Pennsylvania. Penn was a visionary. It's a wide tract, by yeah. the way. Was a, Penn sought visionary men to go to Pennsylvania, those who were brave and adventurous with a variety of skills. One of those selected was his friend, Robert Turner, a Dublin merchant and longtime Quaker. In a letter to Turner, Penn wrote of his vision for the new colony in the country after many waitings and watching solicitings and disputes in council, my country has confirmed to me under the great seal of england god will bless it and make it a seed of a nation god will bless it and do what make it a seed, seed of, of a, a nation. nation he saw something he prophesied something i shall have tender care of the government and it will be laid well at first so in this, it was different. He wanted people to have freedom to think because, and freedom to follow God, because all the different colonies up to that point had, you had to be part of a certain denomination. It's very different in Pennsylvania. He said, you shall be governed by laws of your own making and live as a free, and if you will, a, as a sober and industrious people, I shall not usurp the right of any or, uh, or oppress uh, a just person. Penn's frame of government, he wrote, The frame of government that went through so many conferences and revisions before it was before its approval by the first adventurers and William Penn consisted of two parts. A document with a preference and 24 sections, which Penn specifically called the frame, signed by Penn, on, on April 20th, 1682. And a body of 40 laws signed by Penn on May 5th, 1682. Penn blanketed them under one long title, the frame of government of the province of Pennsylvania in America, together with certain laws agreed upon in England by the governor and the diverse freedmen of the aforesaid province to be further explained and continued thereby the first providential council that shall be held if they see me. Now, why am I talking about all this stuff? Because beforehand, all the revivals are feelings, feelings, feelings. Ooh, I feel God. Ooh, I feel God. They felt God and they founded a government. If your feeling of God is not founding a government, it doesn't have biblical principles behind it, and making sure we have just and good laws, it's not God, it is fake. There have been many blessings falling on people, but what has been the result of people just singing a few songs and going home feeling good? I'm telling you, if you are in the presence of God, he is going to download inside of you ways for a just nation. Come on and preach. I looked, God said, I looked for someone to bring justice, for someone to bring justice to my hurting people, for someone to bring justice to the molested children, for someone to bring justice to those kids in the public schools, for someone to bring justice to the people arrested on January 6th, for someone to bring justice. And I saw none. So my own arm brought justice you know who is the arm of god now you and me yes. what are we michelle the body mm-hmm. of christ mm-hmm. and too many people have misinterpreted scripture come on to say, this is the government over here. <laughs> and I'm telling you, they have not experienced true revival because when you recognize revival and you've got liberty, you are never gonna let any man tell you what to do. You are gonna follow God. And when you do, your, your, your whole body riles up when you see an injustice, when you see somebody hurt, when you see somebody robbed. And you go to God and you say, God, what is a just punishment here? And then you get other guys together and you pray about what's a just punishment for murder or rape or, or, you know, somebody's ox getting stolen. And you find out what does God want to do so we can bring justice to situations that we can have a good society. And that's what our founding fathers did. Now, let me tell y'all something. We have a precedent for this and it was set in the upper room. It was set by our church founding fathers. What Jesus did is he came to bring his kingdom. A kingdom is a governmental body, right? And so the disciples looked at him and they were expecting like, bring your kingdom. We are ready to fight for your kingdom. The way that we view a, a literal kingdom. And Jesus said, everything that I have, I have I have come to bring is not going to be interpreted the way that you think. The kingdom that I am bringing is not a kingdom of this world, but like we are going to be presenting to you guys over the next several months in our Revelation Red Pill Wednesdays, which starts next Wednesday, the 22nd. We're going to be bringing you what it means to see the kingdom of God for the past 2,000 years and on descend to the earth. And that's when we see, again, you're going to hear us say this over and over and over again of the increase of his government and peace. There shall be no end. So what the disciples were doing when they were waiting in that upper room with the original revival that we base all of our revivals off of is they were waiting for God to show them how to bring his government here on this earth earth so always first and foremost before anything what revival ought to do is be showing us how to bring god's government here on earth and that is what we're going to bring you awesome amen so religion and government were so intertwined in this document that it is impossible to separate them To hold public office, you had to be a Christian, but there were no other restrictions on denominational affiliation. Furthermore, like Roger Williams' colony in Rhode Island, no one could be molested or prejudiced for their religious persuasion in practice or matters of faith. While freedom of religion was very important, uh, especially the freedom to worship as conscience dictates, morality was also important. Get this. Penn held morality of supreme importance to the success of a state and several of the laws forbade corruption, fraud, bribery, extortion, slander, and a long list of offenses against God, including swearing, lying, drunkenness, incest, sodomy, whoredom, duels, felony, bull and bear baiting. Not sure what that means. Um, <laughs> fights And any things which excite the people to rudeness, cruelty, looseness, or irreligion. Okay, Penn said, he was a dedicated Christian in his frame of government. He said, I will not abuse the love of God nor act unworthy of his province by defiling what came to me clean. No, let the Lord God, Lord guide me by his wisdom to honor his name and serve his truth and people that an example and the standard may be set up for the nations. One of the most amazing things about, uh, Penn's legacy is he didn't just establish this for um, for the for the people who were coming over and the, and the settlers, but he he had this amazing relationship with the uh, Native Americans. And with this relationship with the Native Americans, he 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 had he basically set up a, a foundation. For all of us to kind of to follow. And, and yes we've gone away from that. So when, when people say. Oh look what happened to the Native Americans. One of uh, William Penn's first acts. Was to make friends with the, with the Native Americans. And he insisted on buying the land from the Indians. Rather than just taking it. As a result of his fair dealings with them. His colony was never attacked by Indians. According to historical records. On August 18, 1681. In a letter sent ahead to the Indians. William Penn wrote. My friends. There's one great God and power that has made the world and all things therein to whom you and I and all people owe their being and well-being and to whom you and I must one day give an account for all that we do in the world. This great God has written his law on our hearts by which we are taught and commanded to love and help and do good to one another and to not do harm and mischief to one another. Now this great God has pleased to make me concerned in my parts of the world and the king of the country where I live hath given unto me a great province therein but I desire to enjoy it with your love and consent and that we may always live together as neighbors and friends Else what would the great God say to us who has made us not to devour and destroy one another, but to live soberly and kindly together in this world? I have great love and regards to you and I desire to gain your love and friendship by a kind, just, and peaceable life. And the people I send are of the same mind and shall in all things behave themselves accordingly. And he says, I shall shortly come to you. Imagine if we got back to this and imagine if this were taught. Hmm. this is the foundation of america when it's these people who have personal relationship with with jesus you don't see another person's stuff as something that you can take you don't want to lie you don't want cheat you don't want to bribe in 1682 william penn wrote the famous frame of government for his new colony and we and the um the origination and descent of all human power the origination and descent of all human power is god Wow. from God, first to terrify evildoers and secondly to cherish those who do good he was quoting scripture there government seems to me to be a part of religion itself government seems to me to be a part of religion itself a thing sacred to its institutions and ends government like clocks go from the motion men give them and as governments are made and, move by, made and moved by men so by them they are ruined too Wherefore, governments rather depend upon men than men upon governments. Let men be good and the government cannot be bad. That therefore which makes a good constitution must keep it namely men of wisdom and virtue qualities that because they descend not with worldly inheritance must carefully uh, be propagated by the virtuous education of youth it is therefore enacted that all persons having children shall cause such to be instructed in reading and writing so that they may be able to read scriptures and to write them by the time they attain the age of 12 years old so this is the foundation in the early 1600s but it kind of died away a little bit and religion became very stoic religious very religious exactly but there was there was there was still this this the, the foundation was laid by these men like William mm-hmm. Penn okay so all it needed was to be stirred up a little bit okay so there were men like uh, Jonathan Edwards. Yeah. And he actually sinner's in the hand of an angry God. And Kesterson uh, did a show on that last night. He had, uh, yeah. So he had, he, he kind of, kind of sparked some revival there Mm -hmm. in the early 1700s. And as he was going out, he died in 1740. Benjamin Franklin was coming up. Okay. Not as a revivalist. No, but as a a statesman. (laughs) Okay. And there was another man that was coming up and his name was George Whitfield mm. and George Whitfield, Yes. George Whitfield would openly criticize dead men leading lifeless congregations. This simply was not done at the time. They shamed these ministers in front of crowds of thousands. The revivalists channeled the rhetoric of the gospels and called out unconverted ministers who behaved like Pharisees, foxes and wolves. Wow. The faculty of Harvard college, who looked at the effects of Whitfield in dismay and, and exclaimed, the people have been thence ready to despise their own ministers and their usefulness among them. In too many places have been almost destroyed. These people, they think that they can preach for themselves. I think they can think for themselves. The same generation that partook in the great, gener- the great Awakening was already mentally prepared to defy the British crown. In other words, when the revolution was ignited, many of its leading participants and advocates had already transgressed the bounds of social order. We were talking about this. They started to preach for themselves Mm
1: -mm. outside
0: of church do not do it they started to have have the outside meetings because what they were preaching wasn't acceptable in the inside meetings benjamin franklin he supported whitfield's revivalist endeavors even though he never really kind of partook in it he he liked it he liked he liked that he was a little bit of a rabble rouser and he printed all of his books while a senior at harvard samuel adams heard whitfield declare that the college favorite favorite theologian the archbishop of canterbury john uh Tillostun knew less of Christianity than Mohammed. You don't say. Yeah. Patrick Henry and James Madison studied the sermons of Samuel Davies, another radical revivalist preacher. One of the great awakenings, greatest contributors and preachers in support of the revolution. What resulted from the great awakening was nothing short of the first widespread popular yell of rebellion against the established authorities in the history of the British colonies. It is in order. The churches were in order. Everything was in order. Now you're breaking the order. As some of Whitfield's concerned critics articulated, when men strive so hard to deserve the solemn tie of the sacred relation between ministers and people under the notion of liberty, why may not they plead for the same liberty in other relations? Um, there were no 501c3 preachers were employed or uh, buyer in authority over any particular congregation. The ways in which the gospel message was communicated could be free from uh, all the different politics and drama. Whitfield was a great unifier because they had all these different denominations and these denominations were really stark. Yeah. Okay. You didn't, you didn't go to another person's church during his preaching tour of Boston. Whitfield drew crowds of up to 8,000, 50,000 people assembled to see him at preach at Hyde Park. That's without speakers, by the way, just. (laughs) exit. His, that's when you had to have, like, a lot of times that's what amphitheaters are for because we yeah. need to create oh, this right. place for the sound and to that's carry. What, exactly. So um, when he was preaching in Philadelphia, he had many thousands flocking to hear him preach the gospel, and great numbers were converted to Christ. By 1740, Whitfield had inspired 30% of the printed works published by the American colonies. He preached in virtually every major town on the eastern seaboard of the North American colonies. Whitfield was so influential that before him, there was no unifying intercolonial person or event, but by 1750, virtually every American loved and admired Whitfield and saw him as their champion Mm. on Whitfield's impact. Franklin commented, it was wonderful to see the change soon made in the manners of our inhabitants from being thoughtless or indifferent about religion. It seemed as if the whole world were growing religious so that one could not walk through the town in an evening without hearing Psalms sung. In different families of every street. The great outpouring of God's Spirit occurred through Jonathan Edwards, George Whitfield, Samuel, Sam, Samuel Davies, and others that united and set the colonies aflame. Benjamin Franklin, who became friends with Whitfield and often heard him preach, records in his autobiography in 1739 the great impact revival had. Um, and we we read that Wheatfield was um, drawing all kinds of people all up and down. Let's let's, the, let's the just Easter as a reminder, sheep. maybe yeah. you're just joining us or 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 whatever. When we we're talking about this revival that was happening, this was prior to the revolution. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the foundation that led up to. You don't just have a revolution, right? Yeah. You don't just go out and like, okay, well, we're going to take on the biggest tyrannical government in the world. Yeah. Okay. You don't just do that. Right. You only do it because you are led by the Holy Spirit because you have had decades of time of, of families and societies of building that foundation of revival through Jesus Christ. The ideas that came forth during the First Great Awakening not only address personal matters. And this is this is where everybody like, oh, revival, stop doing sin, stop doing this. No, 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 no. Do you want real revival? Uh-oh. <clears> but <throat> areas of just life. Well, I, I know when there's a revival if somebody's up there and we have an answer for Drag Queen Story Hour. Okay? All right? That's that's revival. Getting these uh, whitewashed tombs out of the way. And these child molesters and groomers back in the closet where they belong, okay? Where things that are done in shameful are kept in the dark. You don't come out of the closet as a child molester or a drag queen story hour reader with women's prosthetic breasts on now and fake said. hair and fake fingernails. Okay? No, 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 no. Burn the prosthetic breasts, baby. Burn them. Okay? Comes- we'll we'll deal with the with the carcinogens of those. Okay. <laughs> America's unique understanding of religious and civil liberty for all men blossomed during the awakening. The titles of sermons preached, get this, and printed during the time uh, reveal that the biblical truth being recovered provided a blueprint for building a nation. Here's a few of these sermons. The essential rights and liberties of Protestants. Civil magistrates must be just ruling in the fear of God. Unlimited submission and non-resistance to the higher powers. Religion and patriotism the constituents of a good soldier, mm. uh, the constitute, sorry. The advice of Joab to the host of Israel going forth to war. Thanksgiving sermon on the repeal of the Sam- Stamp Act. Election sermon, civil government is for the good of the people, the character of good rulers and the duties of citizens. An oration upon the beauties of liberty spiritual instructions of civil rulers and then it goes on to transmit the theological government legal economic and general worldview coming forth from their awakening a number of new colleges and universities were established mostly by various churches the college of new jersey which was princeton king's college which is columbia brown rudders dartmouth hampton sydney the colonists understood a knowledgeable clergy and citizenry were essential to liberty religion and morality being necessary to good government, schools, and means of education shall forever be encouraged, as from the Northwest Ordinance. Militant Christianity. The people made the laws. The churches made the people. The church, as an ecclesiastical body, did not directly hold power or make civil law. The church influenced government by the power of its teaching. This role was described by a French philosopher named Alec de Tocqueville, who came to the United States in America in the 1830s in search of of her greatness and he had a book called democracy in america on my arrival in the united states the religious aspect of the country was the first thing that struck my attention The longer I stayed there, the more I perceived the great political consequences resulting from this new state of things. In other words, the Tocqueville said that our civil government will not work without a people being virtuous. Mm. Ministers were involved in every aspect of the public affairs of America. They colonized and formed many of our states. They wrote our laws and our constitutions. They served as justices and lawyers. They established schools and universities and they participated directly in civil government. Pastors were in public affairs All the way back to uh, the 1600s. Here's just a few. 1619. Reverend William Wickham, serving in Virginia's First General Assembly. 1620, John Robinson, shaping the Mayflower Compact. 1636, John Cotton, starting the first school of New England. 1636, Rogers, Roger Williams and John Clark, founding the state of Rhode Island. 1639, Thomas Hooker and John Davenport, There's founding a lot of the Johns state here. of the Connecticut, and writing the first constitution. 1638, John Harvard, founding the first university. These are pastors, They're by all the way. Johns, by the way. They're all pastors. Nathaniel Ward, pastor Nathaniel Ward in 1641 writing the massachusetts body of liberties the influence of ministers continued through the 17th century john wingett thornton summarized the role of clergy in the birth of our nation to the pulpit the puritan pulpit we owe the moral force which won our independence Mm. as the primary educators of the colonial period the clergy had a tremendous impact on the character and thinking of the people professor harry s stout of yale university writes the average weekly churchgoer in new england and there were far more churchgoers than church members. Listen to something like 7,000 sermons in a lifetime, totaling somewhere between 15,000 hours of concentrated listening. These statistics become even more significant when one considers there were essentially no competing public speakers offering alternative messages. For all intents and purposes, the sermon was the only regular voice of authority. Ministers were the primary educators, not only at churches, but also at schools, at uh, Uh, academies and colleges many of the founding fathers were tutored by ministers thomas jefferson james madison uh george mason patrick henry no websters those who attended college would have been trained by ministers as as well through their biblical teaching pastors guided the american people through their struggle for independence and freedom a few of the more uh, influential uh, uh clergymen were john wise father of american independence Reverend John Wise has been called the father of American independence due to his influence of his book, The Law of Nature and Government. First written in 1717, the founders considered its ideas of liberty so valuable that they repented it in 1772 and helped distribute it among the people. Sections of this work appear word for word in the Declaration of Independence. Wow elijah williams militant clergyman elijah williams was a significant force during the first great awakening he served as a school teacher a state representative a president of yale university a judge and an ambassador he was a disciple of george whitfields and became chaplain of new england forces in the french and indian war in 1746 williams became williams became a colonel and led troops in the field in 1744 elijah williams wrote a wrote a 66 page pamphlet the essential rights and liberties of protestants which contained a clear and full explanation of the principles of equality liberty and property these ideas were influential in preparing people for the revolutionary revolution decades later Um, one of my favorite and you guys maybe have heard about him is the Reverend John Peter Muhlenberg he he closed um, one of his sermons For everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. In the language of the Holy Writ, there is a time for all things. There's a time to preach and there's a time to fight. And now is the time to fight. Hmm. John Peter Muhlenberg was a 30-year member of the Virginia House of Burgess, who was also a pastor. At the end of his sermon on January 21st, 1776, John Peter Muhlenberg threw off his clerical robes to reveal the uniform of an officer in the Continental Army, the next day, Pastor Muhlenberg led 300 men of his church, and the surrounding churches, to join General Washington's Continental Army as the Eighth Virginia Regiment. Went to Vir- he went to the Virginia Pennsylvania, University of Pennsylvania. He went to the University of Pennsylvania, founded by Ben Franklin, who built a hall in the school for George Whitfield. Muhlenberg and his men endured the freezing winter of Valley Forge and saw. Action at Brandywine, Germantown, Monmouth, and Stony Point. He helped force British General Cornwallis to surrender at Yorktown. By the end of the war, John Peter Muhlenberg was promoted to the rank of Major General. In 1789, he was elected a representative to the first session of the U.S. Congress. Here we have a pastor who preached a sermon. and said, there's a time for everything. Hmm. The time we fight. That was in him deeply. His brother, Frederick Augustus Muhlenberg, he was a pastor of the Christian Lutheran Church in New York City. And he told his brother, don't get involved in these worldly matters. But then the British bombarded and invaded New York City following the Battle of Brooklyn Heights. And Frederick Muhlenberg's church was burned, forcing him and his family to flee the city. After this, his brother changed his mind and he decided, I have to get involved. He joined the patriotic cause and was elected as a delegate to the Continental Congress in 1779. He was elected Speaker of the Pennsylvania General Assembly in 1780 1780 and 1783 and presided over Pennsylvania's convention to ratify the U.S. Constitution. Frederick Augustus Muhlenberg was elected to the U.S. Congress, which met in New York City. He was chosen to be the first Speaker of the House. John and Frederick, these brothers, both ordained Lutheran pastors, served in the first session of Congress, which passed the first Ten Amendments called the Bill of Rights pastors this country was founded you can't there everyone was educated by a minister and even even when it got a little dull even when all these people were dull the spirit came in and revived them and they began to have revivals that would spread the foundation but the problem is if you don't have the foundation you don't get to have revival well there's nothing to revive That's good. They were reviving the fact that they knew all this stuff. Yeah. They were schooled according to the the principles of Jesus Christ. Right. You and your kids, they don't know the Bible. So we have to have something different than revival. And what would you call that? I don't know. A reformation. Oh, that's good. Because during the reformation, Martin Luther brought something to people who didn't have the word of God, who didn't know to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm Mm-hmm. We need to be re-educated. So there's a dual purpose here that we need to focus on in the coming days and get excited. Get in your prayer, prayer closets and ask God to give you wisdom and direction to educate yourself and your children and your family and your neighbors. No, that's so powerful, guys. I want you to get excited about what is coming and what God is doing, because we are going to see a third great awakening. I don't know which one we're at right now, third or fourth. It's kind of up in the up in the air there. But we're going to see revival spread in a way that you never imagined. And I want you to get ready for repentance and for reawakening and for revival, because everything that you thought that you knew is going to change now we're going to be bringing you that on wednesdays coming up for our revelation red pill wednesdays roughly around 7 p.m eastern standard eight, time right yeah give or take and i want you guys to join us because like i said everything is going to change get used to winning and being on the side of victory we love you guys god loves you god bless and remember it's not just a conspiracy theory if our nation was founded according to the principles of Jesus Christ and revival, God bless guys. All right. So is this, so that was our ending for Bridey Yeah. we can still be live if you want, if you've got more that you want to add. No, um, we could go on and on. I'm going to, I'm going to stop here, uh, because I have so much stuff to do to talk about our founding fathers, but rather than just, uh, to talk about revival, which we could talk about forever. (laughs) <laughs> and you know, I, and I do you, I do you a disservice if I do not show you, guys, each time I bring up some of these books that I quote, "I am horrible for some reason at, at I have short-term memory, but I don't have long-term memory. So I've I read these books. you can see, it's all highlighted in mark. But I, I have to bring them with me. So it's for like our the Bible. podcasters, that one is called. Um, this is John, this is, uh, William Federer, America's, uh, God and Country Encyclopedia of Quotations. And this is One Nation Under God, uh, Dr. David C. Gibbs Jr., President, Christian Law Association with Jerry Newcomb, One Nation Under God. Um, and so I find a lot of these quotes in some of these books, but I, I wanted to play, I wanted to, I had two songs on my heart before we, before we go. Um, and that was the ending for our Brighton people for Sunday. And one of them was, uh... so Kevin, I would disagree with you. Kevin says, no, not revival, not reformation. Something has to be uh, formed first to be reformed. Awakening is probably the best description. Hmm. Something has been formed. It's our nation. The, our nation has been formed and Christianity in and of itself is has been here for 2,000 years. And it has gone through several different reformations. And the Christianity that we know in modern America right now needs a reformation because the, the lives that we are living are, are so far removed from how the disciples would have envisioned after the gospel had been spread for 2000 years. There is something that we are lacking that we are missing and it's in our theology, it's in our doctrine. Again, going back to Lee and I doing this Revelation Red Pill Wednesdays, I encourage you guys to go watch the Johnny Enloe videos that we've been putting up and showing you. He's done a second one. The, the modern end times theology that's been in existence for the past 100 years has crippled Christianity. And so we're going to pull the mask off of that and show you guys how we do need a reformation I don't. In I'm not stuck up on words. You want to call it a reawakening. You, want to, call you want to call it a it. reformation. You, yeah, yeah I, I can see what you're saying there. I mean, everybody's part of the reawakening and awakening. Um, But it, I do agree mm-hmm. with you that it is going to be an awakening. Yeah, it's different. It's hard to put into words. It's not really a word because we do have the foundation, we do have the um, declaration, we do have the constitution, but what we've never been in a place where we have had where we have the industrialization that we have right now. That's so true. it's it's new. What we need is 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 a is not quite a word, but you know maybe the maybe a word will come out of it after we see it. Um, but while Leah's ge- getting uh, geared up for this, I want to remind you again. Pastor Neil Peterson of Harvest Revival Center, right here in Dayton, is kicking off what could be weeks of revival just today. So if you guys live anywhere within the Dayton area or this part of Ohio, head there. 24-hour, seven days, you know, kind of 24-7 prayer and praise that you're going to be seeing there. But if you want to check it out, you can tune in to their YouTube channel and on Facebook, And I I was sharing it everywhere. And Ah. for a minute there, Mm -hmm. there was only one person sitting up front. Yeah. And someone left a comment on there on their live stream that said something like, whoopee, Mm -hmm. what a revival, one person praying. Oh, shoot. And I said, you haven't clipped those yet. No. Oh, Leah. Um, And I said to them, first of all, this just started this afternoon. Mm -hmm. Second of all, how many How many um, forest fires does it take to start a forest fire? Do you need a forest fire to start a forest fire? No. Yeah. Do you, you need a match need to start a, a forest fire? You just need a spark. You just need a spark. And one person at the front of that church answering and praying can set ablaze something that you can't even imagine. And my, I wasn't angry or upset at this person leaving this comment. My heart broke for them because they don't understand God. They don't, know they don't understand the heart of God. It just takes one person to answer that call and say, I will contend for my nation. I will contend for my state. And I'm telling you guys... Never despise the days of small beginnings. You need to be able to look at something with spiritual eyes. We did a revival with banners for freedom, freedom down in Texas over the Fourth of July last year, and they had prepared for thousands of people to come. Uh, yeah, I mean they had enough. Uh, as Marty Grisham of Loudmouth Prayer says, enough porta poopies to porta poop everybody. And a handful of people came. I mean, it was a good amount of people, but it wasn't thousands of people. However, what happened that day, Sheila Holm, essentially we call her the Georgia Guidestones lady, was there and she was one of the speakers. And I was standing there and God gave me spiritual eyes to see that the field behind us was filled with thousands and thousands of, 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 of saints, of angels, a great cloud of witnesses cheering us on, saying that what you are doing here in this moment is going to change everything. Within 72 hours, the Georgia Guidestones fell and crumbled. Do not tell me that a handful of people We don't need great numbers. The person that left that comment clearly had never read the story of Gideon. That God, what is it by God to save? By many. By many or by few. We are going to set ablaze this nation. Revival is going to burst forth in America and around the world. But it doesn't start with thousands of people. It starts with one Praying grandma in her closet, contending for her city, contending for a grandson, contending for a state. And that's where we're at. And it is such an exciting place to be. Now, Neil said something really important. He said, I went down to Asbury and I came back. And when I ran into my wife and my in-laws, they were like, whoa, there's something on you. And he said, are we, are we chasing revival? No. But if somebody's got a fire, go get your torch, dip it in some oil, go down to where the fire is, get your flame and take it back so that you can light somebody else's. And that goes back to the pilgrims as one small candle may light a thousand. So this light here kindled has shown unto many, yea, in some sort to the whole world, let the glorious name of Jehovah have all the praise. Go to Asbury, go to Pastor Neal's church, Harvest Revival Center, get that fire, and then don't get stuck there. It's not a Bermuda Triangle. Go get what you need and take it. And I'm telling you, if everybody takes their torch to some place that has this fire, even if it's just viewing online, and then lights their community, their family, their church, it's going to spread. Yeah. Um, and I just say this, when you're talking about revival... So when the Spirit of God comes on you and he convicts you of your sin, revival is, there's no revival until God puts you through a fire. And as um, William Penn, I started with William Penn, no cross, no crown, where you've tasted the the judgments of God and you see what those look like. We don't have that. We have the lovey, lovey Jesus. Mm. But we don't have the other side. (laughs) We don't have the side that guys we're sinners like we're we need to be holy we need to be righteous we need to be in in his presence we need to be delivered from our sins lust perversion yeah anxiety fear depression cowardice for standing up for what's right worry being stuck in the world you know sending our kids to public schools these things can't be anymore yeah that's over those days are over you have no excuse wow crt is is enough to show you you can't put your kids in school you got to pull them out you're gonna be held responsible for this you might go to heaven but you're still gonna be held responsible because there's rewards when you go to heaven and you won't have any you just get you'll just be there And you want to just be there, just be there. But I'm telling you, there's a system of rewards and punishments for what we do here on earth. We will be held accountable for every idle word that we say. We must turn and we must repent of our own ways. And there's a song here I want to sing because I do believe there's something to the old hymns and I don't know any, honestly. I grew up in evangelical modern church, um, but this is more of a hymny type song to me. Um, It's called What Wondrous Love Is This. Well, before you get to that, can I cut these off? They're banging everywhere. Okay. Well, Well, I wasn't sure if I was done, but I guess I'm done. Well, it'll still move. You can tune it a little bit if you need. You've got to be as close as you can get. I mean, you can't get any more than that, right? Tell them you restrung your guitar. I restrung my guitar. After how many years? But after a while. I could leave you a little extra. It's fine. I'll leave you a little extra there. Talk amongst yourselves. Talk amongst yourselves. Okay. okay. Oh dear Lord, in heaven. <laughs> Do you need my tuner? No. Okay. So while Leah's is getting that tuned up a little bit, um, and we're going to show you, we're going to, we're. Pastor Neil said something very interesting about the Asbury revival. He said that they were singing hymns, and while I love, love love a lot of the amazing new worship songs put out by um you know we the kingdom or uh what's the other one that everybody always you know loves i i love and i love even the ones that i sang we sang in the 90s and you know the my entire life i've loved all of these kind of songs but there is something so powerful about hymns And the words there, we're gonna be singing this song and I'm gonna bring up the lyrics for you guys to, to go along with us. Allow these lyrics, these words to seat down inside of you. What wondrous love is this, oh my soul, that has caused the Lord of bliss to bear the dreadful curse for my soul. When I was sinking down, when I was sinking down beneath God's righteous frown, Christ laid aside his crown. For my soul and to God and to the lamb, I will sing. While millions join the theme, I will sing. And when from death I'm free, I will sing on. And when from death I'm free, I will sing of his love for me. These are the type of repentant, contrite heart lyrics that we need. The old, give me that old time religion. And, I'm, I, and that's where I find mm-hmm. some hymns to listen to, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, all right, are you tuned up? Yeah, yeah but I'm not playing the guitar for this song. Oh, it's, a, right. it's an acapella song. All right, well, well, let me pull it up so they can see the lyrics along with us. Let me get a little bit bigger here. Boom.
1: There we go. What wondrous love is this? Oh, my soul, oh, my soul. What wondrous love is this, oh my soul? What wondrous love is this that caused the Lord of bliss to bear the dreadful curse for my soul? When I the dreadful curse for my soul? Was sinking down, sinking down, sinking down. When I was sinking down, sinking down. When I was sinking down, beneath God's righteous frown, Christ laid aside his crown for my soul, for my soul. Christ laid aside his crown for my soul. To God and to the Lamb I will sing, I will sing. To God and to the Lamb I will sing. To God and to the I am. While millions join the theme, I will sing, I will sing. While millions join the theme, I will sing. And when from death I'm free, I'll sing on, I'll sing on.
0: And
1: when from death I'm free, I'll sing on. And when from death And through eternity, I'll sing on, I'll sing on. And through eternity, I'll sing on.
0: The
1: first verse. What, What wondrous love is this, oh my soul, oh my soul. What wondrous love is this, oh my to bear the dreadful curse for my soul for my soul to bear the dreadful curse for my soul now that you have heard it again we'll just sing it through when, when i was sinking down sinking down sinking down when i was sinking down sinking down when i was sinking, down, sinking down. His frown Christ laid aside his crown for my soul for my soul. Christ laid aside his crown for my soul to God and to the lamb. I will sing, I will sing to God and to the lamb. I will sing to am. While millions join the theme, I will sing, I will sing. While millions join the theme, I will sing. And when from death I'm free, I'll sing on, I'll sing on. And when from death I'm free, I'll sing on. And when from death Be and through eternity, I'll sing on, I'll sing on, and through eternity, I'll sing on,
0: and through eternity, I'll sing on. Woo. So good, love that. So, I got a song, and all you really need to do is uh, open up your Bible, so Isaiah 61. I wrote this song. It's called Isaiah 61. It's called Heaven's Eyes. And what we need to do is we need to pray and ask God to give us Heaven's Eyes. And, um... uh, It says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because He has anointed me. Which version should I bring up? Uh, it doesn't matter. To preach good tidings to the poor, to heal up the broken heart. I think it's new king james proclaim liberty to the captives the setting of all the prisoners free to proclaim the year of jubilee god's justice for you and me to comfort to all who mourn and there's a chorus it says open my eyes so i can see the heavenly hosts surrounding me open my ears so i can hear the spirit of the lord you are ever near The Lord God is upon me
1: because He has anointed me. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because He has anointed me. Anointed. Called the priest of our God, oh the ministers of our Lord. But you will be called the priest of our God, oh the ministers of our Lord. You guys know what that
0: means? Isaiah was prophesying the destruction of the temple. Because before, you had to take all of your offerings, all of your sacrifices, and they had to be offered up on an altar before a priest. So what does it mean? Isaiah was saying, you will be, you will be. He saw Jesus coming. When Jesus was in the temple, he read, he opened up Isaiah 61, and he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. And there's more to Isaiah 61. You will be called the priests of our God. The ministers of our Lord. The ministers used to just be the priests. That's what we were just talking about with the great awakening. You're the priests
1: of a God.
0: Ministering in his temple. You know, Paul says to offer up sacrifices of praise. See, our God... He is not sacrificed. You know, I just read a passage. It's a very simple passage where Jesus talking to a Pharisee or a Sadducee is a teacher. He talks about the greatest commandments. It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And that God is not pleased with the blood of bulls and goats, but they were necessary to cover the stench of sin. That's how awful sin is. That's how we take up our cross and we follow Him. But you will be called the priests of our
1: God, the ministers of our Lord. you His it is temple offering up of sacrifices and offerings with the temple
0: with the temple of God it's not sacrilegious <laughs> see where the spirit of lord is there is liberty mm, come on and where the sp- spirit of lord is that's the temple that's the holy of holies he says there, therefore now the veil has been torn between us and the holy of holies where we are supposed to go in torn. with boldness veil. boldness boldness we're supposed to enter into it's the holy holy.
1: but you know what revival see you can't get into his presence
0: until you've been made holy and righteous because i'm telling you what guys we we aren't holy we aren't righteous not on our own anyways he makes us holy and he makes us righteous, righteous. But if we try to go into that temple and not be washed and not have our sins washed away. We're desecrating the temple of our living God. You know, that's why he says, do not have fornication. Don't sleep with people outside of marriage. You know why? He said, all sins are outside of the body. But when you have sex outside of marriage, you guys, you're defying the temple. Imagine this: Would you actually go and have sex inside of the temple of God? Come on and preach. That is the desecration when you have sex outside of marriage, when you walk in lust outside of the the, the the parameters that God has for you, the love of a spouse. Our minds, and you know what? If you're stuck in sensual or sexual sin, I got good news for you. He makes us new he makes us brand new so new that we're born again we don't enter in our mother's womb we enter into heaven and if you guys haven't been baptized in water find somebody who will dunk you in some water because it's important to, to say goodbye to that old sinful nature everybody can get water you drink it you don't need a minister you baptize yourself I'm out. I'm out of this world. to God tonight and say, God, there is nothing in this world that I desire
1: other
0: than you. I don't need anything but you, God. Replace the desires that I have on my heart with your desires. Give me a brand new start. It's a brand new day. Today is a brand new day for you. God to take you through the refiner's fire. fire and in that fire it will be painful lay but it, it down, will be a good kind of pain for me. because all of the tumors and all of the aches me,
1: and all of the sin and all of the pain me, and all of the regret and
0: all of the fear and all of the doubt and all of the false religion oh, 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 is going to be burned oh, 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 oh. away and you will come out a new and clean creature take the enemy. God,
1: I'm,
0: guys, I'm telling you, I where God you is taking us, all of the baggage that I just mentioned I cannot go. It's yours. the eye of the needle. Everything must be laid down to enter in. You don't get to take the baggage. You are getting on an airplane where you don't get to take anything with you. And you don't need it because everything that you need is on the other side. Lorraine says the veil has been torn. Nothing can separate us from the love of God found in Jesus Christ who cleanses us and makes us whole. Patriot Gallery says Jesus, call on his name. Jesus, help me. you need for life of God is. God gives you.
1: There are so many people where this day, this day,
0: Valentine's Day, is a miserable day because of the world construct of what we should be feeling. Maybe your spouse didn't acknowledge you today. Maybe you're alone. Maybe your spouse has passed away. Some people have referred to the Bible as the greatest Valentine ever written. Today of all days, come to him and give him yourself. And he is going to wrap you in his loving arms. I am yours. You
1: are mine. Today, oh Lord, you are my value. Come my. on. I, I, I am yours, you are mine today, Lord. You are my valentine. Oh, come on, here. By my side always cheering your mind. Let me open my heart and love you like I should. Fill me with your love. Fill me with everything good.
0: If you guys have been having a burden, you've been carrying a burden. I want you to lay it down because I'm telling you what, when you watch those movies and people talk about being in love, come on. That doesn't actually fulfill that God part of you. True love only works when you're filled with the love of God. Otherwise, you're going to be pulling from each other in some way, shape, or form. And God wants you to have love, and he wants you to have relationships. And he wants us to love one another. But not to pull from one another, but to give
1: to one another.
0: Jesus lover of my soul in there i think so yeah, in order. are these just your songs um no yeah, it's right know. there here we go got it
1: Time if you let me speak to you i'll
0: speak to you all the right right word. oh darling let
1: me come 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 to you let come
0: you know uh the word says that oh israel i would have covered you with my wing like a hen covers her chicks if you've never seen a hen get her feathers all out and she's got like a bunch of eggs oh, under her and then she's got baby chickens and she's just like come here baby i'm gonna hold you i'm gonna keep you tight i'm gonna keep oh, you warm i'm gonna keep you okay god says let me i wanted to be like a hen covered her chicks and he said jesus said i'm praying to the father that he'll leave the comfort of the holy spirit and he'll bring all things to your remembrance you know this kind of sounds like a love song but well, this is scriptural oh, my
1: hand if you let me hold you I'll hold you tight if you let me speak to you I'll speak to you all the right right words he says behold I stand at the door and knock
0: if anyone who hears my voice and opens the door I will come and I will sit and I will eat with him me and my father come and eat with you He's calm, he's standing at the door, he's knocking. Oh, he wants to sit down and eat. What does that mean? He wants to have a, a personal relationship, a personal conversation with you. Not with your priest, not with your minister, but with you. Oh, if you let me help you, I'll hold you tight. If you let me
1: speak to you, I'll speak to you all the right, right words. on oh, and let me. If you let me hold you, I'll hold you tight If you let me speak to you, I'll speak to you all the right, right words Hold on and let me come, come, come to you Scared tonight, hold my like hand, and I'll hold you oh so tight. Just, 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 just ho 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 my hand, just ho 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 my hand, just a ho. Hold- I'll hold you tight If you let me speak to you I'll speak to you All the right, right words Oh, darling, let me come, come, come to you If you let me hold you I'll hold you tight If you let me speak to you I'll speak to you All the right, right words Oh, darling, let me... Come, come, come to you Let me come to you let me come Today, if you would
0: hear his voice Harden not your hearts As in the day of the rebellion Oh,
1: not your hearts today. Oh, today is a day of salvation. Today, the kingdom of God is coming near to you, and it's knock, 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 knocking at your door. Oh, he's knock, 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 knocking at your door.
0: There was uh, one time Jesus was uh, asked to heal, and, and the guy responds, he says, you know, you need to have faith, because he's like, I think he was asking for like, what can I see a sign or something, he's like, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, and some of you guys are in a place where you're like, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe you love me, help my
1: unbelief. I believe believe you love me, help my unbelief. I believe you love me, help my unbelief. unbelief. Sometimes I'm in a dark, dark, dark spot. If you're in darkness and
0: depression, I've got the answer. The joy of the Lord is your strength. God spoke to me and He said there are several of you watching, several of you watching that have a burden that is so heavy that you have been carrying and you haven't known how to lay it down. And you've been asking God to show you how to lay down that burden to the point of bitterness and tears and anguish and just wanting to give up on everything. And God says, tonight, if you come to me, if you get on your face before me and you ask me, we are gonna get rid of that burden that you have been bearing every day. Some of you have been bearing this burden so long that it has caused your back to hunch over and you're having back issues just from this spiritual burden. Some of you have burdens from your past that you haven't been able to let go of. Some of you have burdens uh, of things that other people have done to you. Other of you have financial burdens, burdens of your children. These are burdens that are too heavy for you to bear and God has never asked you to bear them. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So that means that you're carrying something that is not yours to bear. Lay it at the foot of the cross today. I don't care if you have spit, flying, snot, tears, that that ugly cry. You need to have an exorcism of this burden, that there has been a demonic kind of bag that has been weighing on you. And God says, tonight, if you come to me, that burden is gonna come off of your shoulders. Tonight is the night for several of you, several of you, that's what God spoke to me, several of you, this isn't just one person. You're gonna be rid of this burden that you have been bearing. And it's only going to happen if you go to the foot of the cross on your face before him and say, God, please, I am ready to be done with this. And some of you might have to renounce some things and ask for forgiveness for some things and say, this thing that I thought was you was not you. And I renounce that. I renounce these words that my parents spoke over me or my boss spoke over me or teachers spoke over me that I mentally agreed with. You're gonna have to say, Done with you. I don't believe you. These are lies. G <laughs> pat says that's me. No tears, just wait. I wrote this song. I, I think this might speak to you, even if you're a guy. I want you to point. I want you to picture yourself in this in this place. This is it. This is good. There's a little girl.
1: Did push down and left to send for her own. And she's so dirty, and no one wants to hold her. And she hears a voice say, Yes, yeah, she hears a voice say. Giving herself away. There's a young woman sobbing in the corner. She's been rejected, pushed down, and left to fend for her own. And she feels so dirty, and that no one wants to hold her. But she hears a voice saying, Yes, yeah, she hears your voice saying, You. I couldn't love you more, oh, you are my little princess, i your other Father, your Lord. Oh, the Father says he loves you and he wants to hold you in his arms. He wants to soothe your pain and suffering. He says, let me be your dad. I love you.
0: So good. All right. One more. I hope that you guys are utilizing tonight to just draw closer to God. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be anything big. Mm -hmm. It can just be God. Take me to that next level. Take me to that intimate place where you are, where you are, where the whole world gets shut out. And in these places, get out a journal get out a piece of paper, whatever, God's going to speak to you in these moments for things that he has for you, things that he wants to reveal to you, maybe plans, things to set you free. Right Right now is the time where we need to be actively seeking the voice of God so that we can get used to hearing his voice. The Bible says, my sheep know my voice and no other voice do they follow. So in this moment, I don't want to use the word practice, but I'm going to practice listening to his voice. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. You may feel a little embarrassed or ashamed. Is this really the voice of God? Am I hearing him? Is this just my own head? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Just write it down. Mm -hmm. Just speak it out. And God will show you that that was probably his voice Mm -hmm. speaking to you. And you will get used to hearing that voice so that when it really matters, when the rubber meets the road when you're in that tough decision then you recognize it so utilize this time here tonight with leah and i and the rest of the resistance chicks family to practice hearing the voice of god you can take a picture of this one if you want to put it up there um this is an acapella song i wrote when i was um moving piles of wood chips when the soul is weary It
1: seems all hope is gone When you've given all your strength just to hold on When the trials and the heartache Seem to go on too long When you're hanging on by a thread And you're so far from home Put your trust in Jesus For he cares for you Just look at the lilies of the valley And the sparrows too So just call on him he will help see this through he will grab you by the hand and he'll carry you through for jesus is a rock a strong habitation all the righteous run to him and they find salvation so cry lord have mercy on this broken soul lord give me the strength and make me whole lord i have wandered so far from home I need the good, good shepherd To help lead me on. Oh, the Father is waiting For every prodigal son Oh, Jesus will leave the ninety and nine Just to go find the So when your soul is weary, and it seems all hope is gone, I'll just call him, and he'll carry you home. Oh, we'll carry you home.
0: I just now got it up. I saw that. It took me a while to get it there. That was great. All right, is that it? That's it. Okay, okay, guys. Listen, you are not gonna want to miss. And this is the third time I've said this: the Wednesdays Revelation Red Pill with with Leah and I I'm coming up, starting it. next Wednesday, not tomorrow, not Wednesday, um, the fifteenth, but but next Wednesday and then they're on until the cows come home. I don't know how long we're gonna be doing that series, but it's gonna transform your life. It's gonna set you free. And already, what we're about to show you is 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 a, is setting fire to the, the Patriot movement, the truth movement, where people are finally ready to be on the side of victory mm-hmm. and not bound to this false end times theology that we've been in for the past 150 years. Mm-hmm. So um, before we go, I do want to um, tell you of a couple of things. Tomorrow night, Wednesday night, we're going to be at Westside We The People's um, monthly presentation. We're going to be their keynote speaker. That's in Delhi, Ohio, at The Farm. Now You can go to CincyWeThePeople.com if you want more um information there but it's it's literally just a a restaurant called the farm just put that in the if you want to come and you want to see us doors open at 5 15. they do serve dinner there um you got to pay for that but that supports the farm because they let them have you know post this for free so that's tomorrow night in two weeks well less than two weeks we're gonna be down in texas in sealy texas for a remdesivir press conference praise and worship we and I are going to emcee this event with dr stella manuel dr brian Artis, uh dr jancy lindsey uh what's the Nikki um, willis of plandemic, you a guys, plandemic. You guys seen plandemic one two and three so stay tuned for um details if you want to to visit and you want to come to this event i don't have a flyer yet but you can email me, massfate 33 at resistance, or no, at gmail.com. Um, speaking of resistance chicks.com, I don't talk about our website enough, but it's amazing. Resistance chicks.com. I want you guys to, to regularly visit there what to find the new email? shows, and I'm getting those emails up and running. Can people re-sign up again? You can re-sign up for the emails as of now, yeah, because it'll go right to the new list. Um, if, you, if you're not getting emails and you haven't for a while, go ahead and re-sign up. Make sure that you're you're signed up for the emails i i know i keep saying i'm going to start them but it's a it's been a, a big ugly thing but i i am ready to get them rolling we got soon. put on an email blacklist yeah. and we lost 10,000 emails we did lose 10,000 emails it's really 10,000 emails addresses people that subscribe um we literally and then we asked you to subscribe and we lost those ones too right we're down to 300 right now jesus save me from 10,000 so uh, I need you guys to re-sign up. But anyway, um, we've got a lot going on. And so just keep us in your prayers. If you want to attend the event that we're going to be doing in March with Coach Dave, you can go to CoachDaveLive.com. Kentucky Huddle, slash but events. it's in Ohio. Yeah, it's a Kentucky Huddle, but it is here in Ohio. No, but the Creation Museum and the Ark are in Kentucky. Yeah. So we don't need to do any ads. Y'all know the routine on, on all of that. But, but I do need to say this, though. Um, the Old School Survival Boot Camp, um, if there was... I, I have this promo code written here, Resistance Chicks. You're going to have to read it, right? Write that. It's capital R, capital C. So everything else is lowercase. So if it's not working, just send me an email and I'll make sure that you get it pro- properly. But it's on our website properly um, as, a, you know, resist- for the proper promo code there. But it saves you $12. If you do want to come. I can ask her to put the all caps. As it's a... fine. If, if you do want to come try and get your tickets this month because the tickets raise, these are the early bird special prices and you still get our discount on top of that because at the end on day 30 or whatever of every month, the last day of every month, it raises by like 10 bucks all the way up until May. So that's something that you're not going to want to miss, but I did want to clarify our friend, um, Catherine got her ticket today and she's like, what, what promo code? I said, you listen to our show all the time. You didn't get the promo code resistance chicks, capital R, capital C. So we want to see you guys there. So I think that that's all I have. Is that it? Leah? Okay. Happy Valentine's Day to you guys. You're our Valentine. Um, the Resistance Chicks family. We love you guys so much. We're so thankful for you. And we are praying a blessing on you all um, this, this week that it's going to be a completely blessed week for you. So remember, it's not just a conspiracy theory. Oh, do you know? Okay, somebody had a question. Let me get to this. Um, do you know Seth Whole House? Yes, we do. He spoke at our revival in October. Um, great guy right here in Ohio. Um, he's phenomenal. Love him. Uh, man in America. And you had also asked where we are at. We are just, I think our mom answered you outside of Cincinnati. A lot of people have been asking us, how are you from the fallout from the train derailment? It's a valid question. It's behind me. The, the, the death cloud is moving away from us. It's moving East and we're on the West side of Ohio. So, um, we are okay, but we are definitely praying for everybody but 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 But, but, but. god has not given us a spirit of fear but of power love and a sound mind so when it comes to these kinds of things this one i think struck a real fear chord in a lot of people because you feel hopeless and you feel helpless like what do we do if they do something like this remember they're going to overblow everything that's just what they do. So start out with whatever doesn't give you fear when you're analyzing these situations. And then we can build from there with facts, right? Um, so anyway, all right. We love you guys. God loves you. God bless. And we'll see you on, what's today? Today's Tuesday. So we'll see you Friday for our weekly roundup of news at 6 p.m. Starting on brighton.tv and then again afterwards on resistancechicks.com and our Rumble channel and everywhere else. We will see you then. Bye guys. God bless. It was cold, all alone. No
1: place